Ooh. Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we getting into this week? I can do that. Okay. Call back later. You guys, this week, we are going to talk about the power of humility. <gasps> Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And again, joining me another week is my work wife, La Clara NYC. How are you? Un aplauso para la española. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for coming back for another week. I am so excited. This week is going to be for the babes that come for the Bible, the Bible stories. Mm. We're going to be less chatty. We're going to get right to it. Uh, I want to, I want to, you know, take care of everybody. Some weeks will be for the people that like the combos and the chit chat and the banter. And then some will be for <gasps> the work. No, we have to start again. I'm sorry. What happened? I wanted to check si tenía, <laughs> si tenía algo. And I wanted to put it on preview, but I put it on record. So you're talking, I'm like. <laughs> My engineer was checking <laughs> if she has schmutz in her teeth while I'm introducing the show. <laughs> yep. Round of applause for Claire, everybody. Oh, no, it's okay. We're keeping that in because we love you. The people love you, and this is what we're doing. Anyways, uh, uh, like I was saying <laughs> before I was interrupted by someone's molars, <laughs> today's going to be mostly Bible stories. Uh, the only thing that I will say, and uh, we won't get too too chatty, like I said, is I wanted to give a shout out to uh, one of our producers, Alex Media, one half owner of WTF Media Studios, the studio that houses Bible Stories with Brianna here in Soho, New York City. Uh, he works for another pop and podcast, Flagrant 2. It's a bunch of boys over there. It's like the boys' room. It's like a boys' locker room. It smells like balls. Oh. But he's over there with the boys, and they had guests today and he knew that these two guests were a part of uh, a podcast called Trash Tuesday and one of the uh, uh, girls from the Trash Tuesday podcast is on Tiger Belly and you guys know how I feel about Tiger Belly with Bobby Lee, one of my favorite podcasts. I've been listening to them religiously for the last several years. It has to be more than five or around five. Uh, so he, of course, is such a homie. He got one of the, well, both of them in the video. He got a shout out for me from them. Oh, I so cool. Honestly, it was so touching. Uh, oh, Clara, can we put it here? Hi, Brianda. Thank you for listening to us and also teaching people about the Bible. That makes us feel really good. <laughs> it's awesome. Like one day, I hope maybe one day they can come on the show. How mm. cool would that be? That would be awesome. Yeah. Like I would love to have Esther on or Kalila on the podcast. Annie Letterman would be incredible. Just all of them. I want it, I want them to come on one day. Um, and I don't know. It's like a nice little reminder that we're – we're in the right direction. Slow and steady wins the race. Anyways, um, thanks, Alex Media. Thank you, WTF Media Studios, for uh, making my dreams come true. And, uh, yeah, join the Patreon if you guys want. 
It's pretty cool, pretty fun. We got a little pop up there for the birthday month. That was cute. Thank you so much for all the new patrons. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. You look so excited right now. <laughs> I'm actually not. It's just yeah, one of those. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. No, it's not. No, no, no. Okay, I guess I got. I got. Okay, wait. Cut. Join the Patreon, guys. We spend so much time on the Patreon. It's amazing. It's so great. It's another job that I'm very grateful for because I love the Bible, babe, so much. <laughs> now we can get to the story. <laughs> this week, we are diving back into the book of Isaiah. More specifically, we are going to be discussing chapters 6 through chapter 18. If you want to check back in on what we discussed already, chapters 1 through 5, go to this episode uh, right here, episode 51, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I guess there's not much to recap because most of that recap was on episode 51. Uh, the only thing I'll say is we get into some new characters here in uh, at this point in Isaiah and it gets a little trippy, and I don't want to lose you. Uh, during these chapters, we're going to talk about a form of prophecy known as visions. You know, we typically have discussed in the past, you know, Obadiah, Jonah, prophesying to the people about what the Lord has told them or their interpretations of what they have, you know, received from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's either direct, sometimes it's interpretations. But today, we're going to talk about a major prophet, Isaiah, and his vision, okay? And not only that, visions are so cool because visions see no, like, there's no time limitations. Let me elaborate. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen movies where they go, the past, the future, the present, the past, the future, and then there's their messages that string along all of them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what ha what's happening with visions. They're not bound by, you know... It's not like a dream that just happens in a day or two or a week. It just... No, these are prophetic visions. They're very vivid and uh, it really experiential for the prophet. And we get to dissect that experience of the prophet. And there's so many gems inside of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about a prophet's vision. Cool. So we're going to start at the top, chapter six, and it is one of, I mean, of the 66 chapters in Isaiah. Chapter six has to be like the, like the, the most just psychedelic one. And uh, uh, I don't know, it's one of my favorites of Isaiah because Isaiah has a vision of him being at the Lord's throne in a temple. Let me say that again, because normally when we think about thrones, we think of un palacio, a, a palace with gold floors and like, oh, blah, blah. no, it's, it's in a temple. No, so it's humble. It's like, there we go. There we go. Oh, very in theme of the episode. And he comes in. <laughs> You're so cute. Uh, um, Isaiah is seeing... Stay with me here, guys. He sees, he sees these six winged 
creatures with eyes at the wings. And they're flying and they're loud and they're boisterous and it almost is like they're protecting the Lord almost. Oh, they're good. Because they sound Of like- course. These beings are known as seraphims. Okay. So the Lord's throne is surrounded by these seraphim creatures. For those of you that want a little bit more information on what seraphims are, uh, in Judaism and Christianity, uh, in the study of angels within Judaism and Christianity, seraphims are the highest ranking of these of angels, celestial mm-hmm. beings. They are the the top of the top, the creme de la creme of angels. You know, oftentimes we see angels being these uh, Caucasian babies in diapers. Uh, that's not biblically what angels looked like. Angels looked more like kind of like freaky, freaky creatures, like oh, wow. freaky, freaky beautiful. Shout out to my best friend, Luisa, her brand, Freaky Beautiful. They just released a bunch of wigs. Love you, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's get into some scripture because I think it's about time for us to give them some. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1, 2, 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here we have Isaiah in the presence of the Lord who's being shielded by his angels. And Isaiah feels so humbled by this experience. He feels like he doesn't belong. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He's literally saying, woe is me. Oh, I should, this is not, he's saying, I've been among people who don't deserve you. Like I don't even, and who knows in that moment, he sees the seraphim surrounding the Lord. These are beings that are inches away from the Lord. Isaiah, Isaiah and his ministry is so small compared to the love that and devotion that those seraphims must have for the Lord. Mm. Uh, um, by, uh, Bible study moment, I can imagine that Isaiah in that moment feels extremely humbled. And we know Isaiah. Isaiah was one of the good ones, right? Like he was doing everything by the book, right? For now. For now. No, no, no. This is a prophet, not a king. Those oh, are, okay. this is a pro- okay. Some prophets do. Like Jonah wasn't always great, right. but not Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet who exhibited stellar uh, righteousness, right? But when you're among beings 
that are inches away from the Lord, per shielding him, shielding the Lord. <laughs> you can't even see my feet. <laughs> That's what the Lord said. Could you imagine all those times that maybe Isaiah, maybe Isaiah skipped a prayer before a meal, or maybe he fell asleep during a prayer or something, or like every, like something, you know, little pet, like little things, all those things come to the surface and they say, oh my God, I am a, nothing. I am a mere sinner. Even a man who was basically Excellent. sinless, but no, he's not. We're all sinners, mm. especially in the presence of divinity, right? These were angels. They're not people. They were angels and the Lord in the Lord's throne. Mm. Uh, hi, Tangi. Yeah, hi, Tangi. Um, the only thing that comes to my mind personally, and maybe we'll all come up with something of a very humbling experience, right? We all have them. But something that reminds me of a place where I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I had it good. Never mind. Oh my gosh. Never mind. I can't even look. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I was so wrong. Was when I first moved to New York, I came to college and I, you know, I came from a town where they thought, I mean, I won most likely to become famous and most likely to be become successful, both in one year. Could you imagine how depressing that was 10 years later? At least one of them let me win, but both? <laughs> Anyways, so I'm leaving my town and I come to New York and I'm thinking like, oh, well, that's a couple years, I guess, and then I'll, I'll be on my way. Mm. You know, like I was, I'm from a city where like they, my city believed in me more than I believed in me, you oh. know? Uh and I'm in college and I'm taking these theater classes in school and I meet a lovely actress that many of us probably know uh, by the name of Dominique Fishback. She is an actress who has been on The Deuce. She was on Show Me a Hero on HBO. Like she's been on in so much. She's homies with um, Daniel Kaluuya. Oh yeah. In that, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that Fred Hampton movie. What was the name of the Fred Hampton movie? Girl, I, I don't know. Oh, that's another thing. Night comes on. The hate you give. Project power. Judas and Project Judas and the Black Messiah. There we go. Okay, wait. I gotta say this all over. Transformers. Again. Continuing on the high tangy. These are all things that she has amassed now. But if we take it back to when she didn't have those things, she you could see that she was uh, an electric gifted actor, mm -hmm. and she was a uh, junior when I was a freshman in college, mm -hmm. and. She had invited me. We became very close. We're still close. Her birthday's coming up. Uh, like she got nominated for an NWACP award. Like she's gonna win wow. an Oscar one day, I'm sure. Uh, she invited me to a play that she was in when I was a freshman, and it was called the uh, the Syringa Tree. It was written by a playwright named Pamela Gian. I thought I love how I remember like the most random information, but um, it's a great play, and. She had this monologue that still lives with me 10 years later that was so moving. And I remember I cried outside after, after, you know, the play. I cried because I was like, A, that was so moving. I am in the presence of greatness. I can't believe I get to go to classes with her. No. But secondly, I am nowhere near that. Like, it was just humbling. It was very humbling mm, to, to think like, oh my gosh, when you're in the presence of people who do this, who love this that deeply, mm. I saw every single minute that she has spent over her works in that moment. And the proof is in the pudding. Look at where she is now. Right. 
you know, repped by UTA, one of the, the, the biggest, like, talent agency in the world, you know? So what I saw was right. And a lot of other people saw it too and felt it too. And, and that is a very small little example of that reflective kind of that, that, um, that humbling moment when you, you're in the presence of something so much better than you, like just overall, oh, mm. divine. You know, I see what you mean. It's, I'm actually glad that you did the the high tenji because I had perceived it very differently before you had explained this. Like now I can understand, but before I had perceived it very differently. Oh, cool. Well, I'm sure that many of the other Bible babes have their own little moments of that. And that's what's so great about reading the Bible is like it takes those personifying certain, I mean, in this case, a prophet's vision in order for messages to really land. Mm. And then you can times that by 10 because this is a prophet talking about the Lord here, okay? And, oh, and it gets so cool. It gets even better, guys, um, because in this moment, the Lord knows that Isaiah is not even looking up at him. And the Lord doesn't want him to see. It's almost like you, 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 you're not there yet. Mm. And um, the, 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 the seraphim are, are flying and you can feel them vibrating and then all of a sudden, one of the seraphim grab a burning coal, like a burning stone, mm. and uh, uh, basically say, like, we're going to put this at your mouth, and that is going to cleanse you. That's going to be, it's going to rid you of any guilt or iniquity that you feel in this moment right now. This is it. Let's go into some scripture to see more about, uh, uh, you know, they couldn't throw water at him? Oh, boy. Like holy water? Okay, Clara, let's get into the scripture, guys. Alrighty. <laughs> so we've got Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 to 7. <laughs> the holy water. Just like, do you need some help, buddy? Like one of the seraphim at the Going bottom. Going to plant? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 to 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Wow. I mean, the Lord could feel what Isaiah was going through and could feel Isaiah wanting, wanting to to, to learn more about how we could be in this greatness, you know, with humility, right? And the Lord in an instant provided. The Lord instantly gave him an answer, and that was through the stone. And here we have in verse 7, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Ha-ha! A little bit of foreshadowing. Hi, Tangy, not hi, Tangy. That stone, who else has atoned for our sins? Who else has paid for our sins so that we can live the way we live? Clara? Yes, ma'am? Jesus Christ. Yes! Oh, no! Oh, my God, I could cry. I could cry right now. That's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, this is really a beautiful moment. Oh, wow. <laughs> praise him. Praise Jesus. That's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Anyways, <clears throat> so, um, I don't know. It's just, I, I also love that because it's, what a wonderful feeling for any kind of God-fearing person to read that 
in an instant, the Lord can provide us with that reminder. And the second that stone hit his lips, that's it. The Lord was like, now we can talk. Now we're here. And, and, um, um, it almost feels like I, I remember early on in my faith walk, I was almost like bashful about like speaking or, or like speaking aloud or even praying aloud. But the more you familiarize with the word, the more you become in love and more in love with the Lord, you, you become less bashful. You become, you, you want to proudly glorify the Lord almost like you're not embarrassed by any of this. If anything, you want to like, you won't shut up about it, you know? So that's kind of like how, how that moment felt. It's like, okay, now we can talk. And the Lord asks, uh, uh, basically in, while they're in the temple, he's like, all right, who wants to help me out here? Right? He's among angels. We got Isaiah at the bottom here and with the angels. And the Lord goes, who wants to help me out? And Isaiah, like a giddy little kindergarten student, raises his hand and goes, me, me, I want to help. I can do it. You know, so we go from Isaiah being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're gonna find out, they're gonna find out, they're gonna find out, I can't be here, I shouldn't be in here right now, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be here, to me, I'll help, I'll help, let me know, I'll sharpen the pencils, like, you know, um, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 to 13, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me, and he said, go, and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy. If you're confused, it's okay, let's keep going. And blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes. And hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? This is Isaiah talking to, the, to God now, right? Because he feels like he can. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is desolate waste. Ooh. Verse 12, and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, a tenth will remain. It will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Here, the Lord is kind of prepping Isaiah with what he's about to be to do, what, the, what he's about to be commissioned to do, and it's to let the people of Judah know it's about to get shaky. And he reminds him again later in chapter seven of the same thing. Wait, but. At this point, Isaiah, he knew he was a prophet already, right? Of course. It's not the first time that he... No. Okay. No, 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 no. You're, you, this, is, this is it. This is like... This is it. It also kind of reminds me of... Isaiah is such a major prophet. Um, like I said, 66 chapters of one book. He not only was a prophet... He was up there. Yeah, you say, you say. You know? So, yeah, he knew. For sure. Now let's get into Isaiah chapter 7. And I know I said that chapter 6 was one of my favorite chapters of the book of Isaiah, along with chapter 43 and 48 and 33. 
chapter one was also great. Uh, you know what? Let me take that back. Chapter seven was great, okay? And we're here right now. So in chapter seven, the Lord uh, tells Isaiah kind of like a new a new uh, mission, a new instruction. He's commissioning him to do something actionable, like real, in real life. Like we're no longer in the vision, right? Like we're, we're expanding out. This is a new, a new act in the play, if you will. And uh, he tells him, listen, right now, Israel is torn apart. We already know this based off Chronicles and Second Kings, remember? That the Assyrians tore apart Israel and that the next is Judah's next, remember? So here, the Lord reveals to Isaiah, he says, look, not only is Israel tor torn apart, but now the king in Israel, Pekah, is building an alliance with the Syrian king, Rezin, and they're collaborating to go to Judah to murk you. Let's hop into some scripture for more details on this revelation. Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, let's take it, let's do it from chapter, chapter 7 verses 1 to 4. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, king in Judah, I hope this is making sense. There's a lot of names, but I think... Once they have nope. If you, you feel confused, then other Bible babies feel confused too. Let me give it to you. Okay. Pekka, Pekka, King Israel. That's yeah. already demolished. Rezin, King Syria. Okay. They are now in cahoots to wage war in Judah. Right now, the king in Judah is Ahaz. Okay. Ahaz. Right now, Ahaz hears news of them trying to wage war against them, and Ahaz starts freaking out. Because <laughs> he knows what happened in Israel. Mm. Everyone in Judah is freaking out. You know? Okay. Stay tuned for chapter 8, because in chapter 8, we realize what people do when impending doom uh, uh, is approaching. Okay. Okay? Cool. Back to the text. I will take it from the top. Oh, I'm, I like it when we... Uh, review because I know if you're confused I know someone else's yeah but you know how sometimes when you're reading it's easier to understand and they have the subtitles so I thought maybe mm, true 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 they, they will have the subtitles well we're going to take it from the top rewind Isaiah chapter 7 verses 1 to 4 in the days of Ahaz the son of Jotham son of Uzziah king of Judah Rezin the king of Syria and Pekah the son of Ramaliah the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, which is another part of Israel, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and share Jashub, your son. We're going to get to more of Isaiah's sons in a bit. Uh, uh, your son at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field and say to him, be careful, be quiet, 
Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Ooh, here we have the Lord telling him, do not fear those two nations that are, that are about, that are threatening and that are about to wreak havoc. And here it's, it's kind of cool what the Bible does and how poetic the book of Isaiah is. Here we have the Lord saying, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps. Do we remember in chapter six, what the Lord ended, uh, what the Lord said about what's going to happen to Judah, he said, mm -hmm. and though a tenth remain in it of the people, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. So he's, re he's referring back to the vision. These are that confirmations that, that you receive. Like, you know, when you know that something is of the Lord, A, when it's confirmed by the text, uh, the ideas of the scripture, the truth of the scripture, and when it feels like an internal confirmation. Mm -hmm. Where can you find confirmation? Oh my gosh, two and two together. Like stump, stump, like that. finding those correlations, that's confirmation. Copy, capiche? Capiche. Capiche. It's also important to know that Ahaz at this time was an evil king in Judah. So even though Judah and Judeans were the more decent of the group, no, no, no. They were also corrupt. I mean, Ahaz sacrificed his son, you know, and the Lord is here helping them out sort of in a way because it doesn't matter. No evil can thwart the Lord's plan. The Lord will use anything to his favor. Even those two stumps, the Lord will use because either way, the Lord through Isaiah is prophesying complete destruction. It's going to be restored. This is all going to be restorative. So it's going to happen. It almost reminds me, hi, Tangie. It reminds me of like someone getting a, a diagnosis that is scary, some of some illness. Mm. And let's say maybe cancer or something. Who knows? Who knows? And the Lord is basically at the, at the bedside saying, the treatment's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. Put your eyes on me, babe. Put your eyes on me, kind of, kind of thing, you know? I don't know. But also, the Lord has a conversation uh, with Ahaz directly, not just with Isaiah. And the conversation with Ahaz, he says, Hey, listen, brother, son, why don't you ask me for a sign? So I'll show it to you, and then bada bing, bada boom. You'll be able for your, you know, these last days, we can like have a copacetic relationship. You know what I'm saying? Grab a drink later, you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, not a drink. Oh Lord, please forgive me. Anyways. Um, and guess what Ahaz says to the Lord? No, thank you. I don't need a sign. I don't want a sign. It's okay. It's okay. You can keep it. <laughs> it's okay. We know why. It's because he knows that once he gets that sign, it's a wrap. And if he gets a sign from the Lord, well, oh my gosh, because right now Clara's looking at me confused. Yeah, I don't know. And me no comprende. So the Lord was going to give Ahaz a sign anyways. Right. But remember with free will, the Lord gives us free will. Hmm. The Lord was giving him an opportunity to ask for it.
Mm. And he did not ask. Mm. So you know what the Lord did? Punish him. No, he said, I'm going to give it to you anyways. (laughs) But it would have been nice for him to ask, right? That would have been, that would have been a demonstration of a willingness to learn. And he did not, he did not present that. Hmm. Where does this leave the free will though? What do you mean? Oh, you have free will. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a choice. Do you want red? Not red or blue. That's matrix. But do you want, I don't know, green or blue? Nah, I'll stick with blue. Okay, I'll give you green anyway. Oh, that's not what the Lord was saying at all. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. I'll give you the chance to ask for it. Now he's like, nah, I don't want it. I was like, okay, I'll give it to you anyway. It's like, where is No, the no, 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 here? no. It's not even, oh, no, 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 no. No, no. Uh, it, let's come up with another scenario. Okay. Uh, uh, imagine... The Lord is telling Ahaz, I see you worried there. You're uh, basically peeing yourself. And your whole nation is also doing the same. They're up in arms. It's, we're running amok. I have something that could ease your anxiety. Do you want it? And what does he say no then? He says no, because once he gives him that, he's going to actually face all the crap that he has done, like killing his son in sacrifice. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay. Hey, facing your own truth is uncomfortable. It's a lot easier not to. But why Why does he have to face it? Like the sign is facing his own truth? I don't understand. How is this related? Um, uh, say that question in a different way. Because you said that um, he didn't want it because then it means that he has to face his own in his own truth. And no, no, that no. He said, no, I, I don't I want I don't want the sign. Yeah. And you asked why. Yeah. And you said because he then has to face his own truth and that is not comfortable. Because once you receive the truth and the answers, in order to get to the peace of mind, you need to, Mm. you need to face yourself and face a lot of what you've done. Just kind of do like the internal work so you can come up with the... uh, Like we just said, we know, we know what Ahaz has done in the past and killing his son was the worst of it. So that was the, the version of Instead of facing my problems, let me just go get drunk at the bar so I don't have to remember the go. shit that I'm going Escape. through. Yeah. Got it. Copy? Got it, got it, got it, got it. I'm glad we got here. Uh, let's go to uh, back to scripture because, like I said, this is one of the most important prophecies. And the Lord does give a sign. And here it is. I'm basically reading chapter 7. It's, it's a rather short-ish chapter, but so profound. Because he gives him the sign of Emmanuel. I just got the chills. Hold on. Let's read. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 to 4. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord, your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Uh, By the way, for you guys who don't know what Sheol is, Sheol is, um, it's Hebrew for a place of like uh, uh, of darkness, like a dark situation, a dark circumstance. Uh, so I know that some translations say it's like a graveyard even. Understood? That's what Sheol is. Uh, Let it be as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, 
Is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Did you hear that? That was a prophecy. What was he prophesying? Jesus. Yes, he did. Yes, very good, my love. Oh, you're like, my little baby, I love you. I love you so much. My little baby's in the faith. Babies in the faith, this is a win for us. So Emmanuel is mentioned as a sign that God will protect the house of David, a.k.a. Judah. All right? And the Gospel of Matthew interprets this as a prophecy of the birth of the Messiah and the fulfillment of Scripture in the person Christ Jesus. Ooh, ooh. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Like, that's, ooh. Y'all, yeah, run that back. Run the last five minutes back because chapter seven, those verses are so major. Oh, my God. Oh, I just got the chills. The end of Isaiah chapter seven finishes off with the Lord reminding uh, the people through Isaiah, actually reminding Ahaz that it was going to get really bad before it ever got good. He was going to do an unplug, a reset, an undoing of his people. And it wasn't just going to come from the Assyrians. He also, through Isaiah, prophesies that Egypt is also going to invade Judah. The agriculture was going to go to poop. Nothing out of there. The agriculture was going to fail. People were going to lose their minds. It was going to get bad. It's like how many other languages and how many other ways can, can we be told, like, you're so scared of all these other external circumstances, you really should be fearing me. Period. And it, it also reminds me that, like, he's, he, he's, he will have to, he, sure, he's using Ahaz to uh, fulfill the prophecy, right? Like, uh, Judah is going to experience a restoration that's going to get ugly. But before Ahaz could ever be delivered... He's going to experience a severe undoing. Ahaz is going to experience a severe humbling before the restoration. And um, I'll let that simmer. Now, this conversation through Isaiah is continued in chapter 8. Uh, chapter 8 is essentially, you know, chapter 7, part 2, because the Lord now tells Isaiah, all right, now you've heard all this stuff, let's go to the next portion of the class. 
Grab your snacks, grab your notebook. I need you to write something down. The Lord's never asked for prophets to write stuff down. Normally there are scribes to do that and everything. The last time was what, Moses? The commandments on the tablets? You know what I'm saying? Like he tells uh, Isaiah to grab, grab his notebook and whatever, and he tells him to write down this. The Lord tells Isaiah to write down Mahershalah Hashbaz. Eh? You know Mahershala Ali? Great actor. Talk about like phenomenal electric actors. Amazing. Anywho, um, the Lord tells him to write that name down. Hi, Tangie. No, hi, Tangie. I know we were just talking about the seraphim, but, and I was going to not say this, but I kind of want to say it. I've seen the seraphim when I was tripping. Yeah. Did you know where it was by then? No. You had never uh, seen a description of one? Yeah. Okay. So at this point in my faith work, I had known that I had known enough about the Bible, but not enough about the like proper understanding of angelology. Like I didn't know about angels. I didn't really know. This is year one of my faith walk. Yeah, but have you ever heard? Had you? Did no, no, no. You never heard a description of one. No, or maybe in the past. I, I don't think so. No. And also, it wasn't like a it wasn't like it was a six-winged creature. It was a creature that had many, many eyes, many, many eyes. And again, this isn't unique to me. Were you scared when you saw it? I went like this. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god I can't. I think I've described it to you before. It's like that feeling when you're in the presence of something divine. It happens involuntarily. Like even day one, even the first acid trip I ever had where I didn't, I was not awakened yet. I had not heard my call yet. I had not given my life to Christ yet, fully, honestly, openly. And it, my body just did it. It was a very, like a reptilian response. Um, and I kind of understand how there are these different indigenous groups that use psychedelic medicines as a part of their spiritual practice. It kind of makes sense, you know? Of course, I'm not about the glamorization of drugs or the abuse of drugs or, like, at all, but these look at these natural substances, at least with mushrooms is what I'm... The mushrooms is where I think I saw the... Can you OD seraphim. in mushrooms? Oh, shit. Shrooms overdose symptoms. Psychosis, seizures, coma. Psycho, this word that you said, psilocybin. Mm -hmm. Mushrooms have low toxicity and death from an overdose. Overdose is very rare. Very but rare. you can have seizures, coma, and psychosis. Actually, that's really good. Yeah, and you ha if you have an agitated psychosis, forget about it. That I don't know how many times I have it to worse, say it. Worse, how many times I have to that. say it, you guys? If you have an agitated psychosis or even if you're family, like direct line of it, please be wary or just don't do it. I, listen, I experience psychedelic feelings when I'm praying sometimes, and that's without psychedelics. Sometimes I'm in deep prayer and I feel that presence 
And I feel so, I feel the oneness that people talk about. I see the colors. I feel it. I see the textures. It makes me feel so warm, so complete. You don't need a substance. No, I agree with you. Especially if something can give you a coma. I mean, the chances of that happening are very rare. Also, I've had great experiences with mushrooms. <laughs> Especially when I was uh, microdosing it for my depression. Yeah, microdosing. But like, it, like obviously, it has to be brought to the extreme. But to me, anything that, like, over-drinking water is not going to give me an OD. You know what I mean? Actually, over-drinking water can kill you. Oh, really? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, for sure? Yeah, girl. You oh. can die. It's actually more common than you think. Let's dive into some scripture to hear more about Mahershala. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 8, verses 3 to 4. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. This is most likely Isaiah's wife. Rarely mentioned, but here we go. Prophetess. I want to be a prophetess. Oh, that's so cool. Prophetess. Prophetess. <laughs> I'm not. But I'm not. Okay, maybe you will. Maybe. Oh, never. It'll never happen. You never know. It's no. not your choice to make. No, no, no. I don't think that there are any living prophets. Okay, back to scripture, chapter 8. Then the Lord said to me, Isaiah, call his name Mahershalal Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. And uh, what's important to know is that Mahershala Hashbaz name means speed to the spoil, hurry to the plunder. In other words, God is telling Isaiah to name him son, his son something that means Judah is in trouble. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, in, in other words, Mahershala Hasba Alashbaz. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Hebrew people that are listening to this are offended. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to offend. I, I want to respect your, your culture. Uh, uh, Mahershala Hashbaz um, also establishes the time frame in which the invasion of Assyria happens. So it not only is the Lord tells Isaiah to name him his son this, but the Lord also, when he wrote it down on that basically stone or whatever it was on, um, that was his like timestamp. By the way, it's happening and it's happening now. So that's why it means speed to the spoil, hurry to the plunder. He was saying that things are about to get ugly for Judah. Is about to get down. Exactly. Yes. Ooh, gosh. This microphone, I'm here, I'm here, and I'm ready. How cool. Mahershala Hashbaz means speed to the spoil, hurry to the plunder. But Isaiah means salvation is of the Lord. Like, look at the duality of the Lord. Even though Judah was being utterly destroyed quickly, Isaiah was the people's reminder that it didn't better their situation to be fixed on the trouble. It only made sense to let the Lord be their fear and their dread. As they freaking should. We need to fear God. Okay? And the Lord also had to remind him 
not to be deterred by the people's fear, him being Isaiah. The Lord was reminding Isaiah, look, buddy, it's going to get real weird out there. You don't got nothing to worry about, my good little boy. My good little boy. You know, essentially is what you're saying, you know? Uh, and, oh, hi, Tangy, not hi, Tangy. You know the movie Don't Look Up? Yes. Okay. What's going on is Don't Look Up. Mm. And he is telling Isaiah, by the way, there are going to be people pulling out all, like, they know that doom is coming, that the end is coming. They feel it. They know it. Mm. They see their neighbor, their brother nation kaput, gone, like, you know, uh, uh, he warns him saying people are going to be going to crystals and different, let's see, I, I don't want to dismiss crystals because I know that that's like other people's religions basically, mm -hmm. but um, people are going to be going to crystals. Yeah, and so was Baal. And right, there you go. And idols and other things trying to find a way. It literally like the movie Don't Look Up where like people were like trying to figure out what to do at the end of days. That's kind of what he's saying there. At the end, people are going to be trying to find purpose everywhere. You see how people don't care now? That's not going to happen mm -hmm. at the end of days. Imagine knowing when it was going to happen, that it was going to happen within the next month. Ugh. I have a feeling people that aren't religious would become religious to some degree. You I just have that. an inkling. What would you say? You always say that. I have an inkling. It's an intuitive uh I just have a feeling. Remember when I was saying reptilian response for us to do something like that? I did that even before I gave my life to Christ. Other people do that who don't believe it. I think that same happens when death is approaching. Hmm. It just, I think it happens. The same way my cat knows how to go to the litter box without me teaching her, it's, a, it's, like, some, it's like a response that happens. I don't know, but the Lord warns him, and the Lord was right. Let's go to Scripture. Our last scripture of uh, today's episode, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 to, mm, no, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 to 22. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers, necromancers, I'm assuming necro, the dead, dead yeah. um, who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to his word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be in enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their face upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. In essence, in beautiful words, the Lord is saying, people are going to go to other things, fearing the thing. They really should be fearing me. I'm way, this is where it is here. Fear me. And the rest will fall into place. Yeah, that sounds pretty glib. But, Why does um, he always want people to fear him? <sighs> like, that doesn't sit right with me. For sure, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. This is, I have a huge responsibility here right now to explain that. You want to turn off the camera? <laughs> no, I don't. 
when the Lord says, when prophets and priests and church leaders and readers of the text hear God-fearing or fear God, it's not in the, the way that Webster's Dictionary defines fear, okay. like horror, whatever others, whatever other word is synonymous with fear, like, I need you to, like, or when yeah. your parent, you're about to be in trouble, like, oh my gosh, oh, that's not. When we say fear, God-fearing, it is the highest level, the most intense level of reverence to revere, you know, you know what it is like to revere something, to have utter respect and adoration for for uh, for some for something. That's what the God fearing comes from, and it happens involuntarily. It happens like a domino effect. So, it is a choice. It is a choice too, but it happens involuntarily. It's not something that, uh, it's something that should come easeful, right? Like that comes with deliverance and repentance and surrendering your life to God, to Christ. The, res the result of that is having reverence for God. And of course my irreverence, like, you know, you guys hear me swear sometimes and do these things, that doesn't help my case. It actually confuses people more. So I do see myself, I'm 29, right? Um, I don't see myself being this way like forever. I do see myself as I mature, I'm going to change. So milk me while I'm here because it feels the most honest now. But I already feel myself changing. I already stopped drinking. I already stopped smoking. Like I think like it's happening. It's slowly but surely God is etching me, it, the stone of me, the way that he wants me to be. Um, I guess I needed to say that out loud for myself, but, uh, um, that's what I, that's what I believe God fearing means. So it's like, and respecting when, instead of, fearing, yes, what you understand. Yes. And not only that, when you're dealing with an, or dealing, when you're addressing an almighty sovereign power, you're stressed about money to pay your rent a new apartment that you have to move into that you may not be able to afford, uh, a, a, a partner who uh, physically abuses you every day, um, a son who's not doing well in school, you don't know what to do. Uh, so, you know, when you're dealing with these things, these are things that cause fear in us, the meat body, the stuff. And when the Lord is telling, reminding Isaiah to remind the people, like, don't, don't be afraid of those things. You'd be afraid of me. It's like, look to me for guidance, for peace, for answers. If you have issues, come to me too. Mm. Come to me. Fear me. And watch. Watch that your anxieties, all those other things, will move to the wayside. You'll be so present and grateful for life that you won't even view those things as things that could impede on your life. The things that you would think that they would on paper, don't when you fear God. Mm. Did any of that land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, every time you say fear, I change it for respect in my brain. Okay. So I understand. Because fear to me still means fear, so. 
Okay. Just change the word. Okay. And then it, it makes more sense. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take what I can get here. <laughs> okay. Um, now let's let's move to moral of the story. I think I'm a, I have an aneurysm. I'm trying here, Lord. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. You know. I'm just a babe in the faith. I'm doing my best. Can any of my elders in the faith answer her in the comments, please? Thank you. Moral of the story is, life will humble us. No matter how good a person we think we are, no matter how devout or religious we are, no matter how wealthy, no matter the good vibes we think we exude, God will give us a humbling experience that will reveal a lot more about ourselves than we think we know. I mean, even stellar prophets like Isaiah had their own humbling moment with the seraphim and the burning coal. Isaiah thought he was God's number one road dog, and compared to Judah, he was. But compared to the seraphs at God's throne, his love was teeny, teeny, tiny. He recognized even he was flawed. Imagine us. In those moments, our whole perception of ourselves will be undone, our egos demolished, and we will come face to face with our own naked truth. It may not look like a truth we're quite fond of either, but it's okay though, because irrespective of how we reach this undoing, whether through some shale, deep reflection, or a dicey situation that makes us feel like we hit rock bottom, rise up. It's gonna be okay. Someone already paid the tab, babe. And remember, God is there. God is there for us, and he's ready to reform us and restore us for his purpose by whatever means necessary. Ooh. Hey, Father. How'd I do? Oh, you know, I'm, I, 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 I wasn't going to mention the psychedelics, I know, but you, I just, I, I felt like it's a part of my testimony, you know what I'm saying? It's just, a, and the shirt, don't, I, don't ask me. I don't know what this is. Wheezy, let me borrow it. Like, what, I, I, do I put my leg through here? Like, I don't know, guys. See you next week. Uh, 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 uh.